The broadcast is now starting. All attendees are in listen-only mode. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to V Brown Bag. Tonight, we are going to hear about planning for the end of life of Windows Server 2008. Uh, I'm going to introduce our presenter, our guest presenter here in a moment, but first, a few housekeeping notes. This is an interactive podcast. We are doing this live. We have a live audience uh, on GoToWebinar. And if you are with us, make sure to hit us with your questions in the GoToMeeting uh, question box or via Twitter with the hashtag VBrownBag. We will be tweeting up a storm that, there tonight as well. And also a reminder, if you missed us, uh, you're watching this recording on YouTube after the fact, Make sure to head on over to vbrownbag.com slash brownbags, and you can find details on how to sign up to get reminders for this and all our other shows throughout the week. I am your host, Ken Nalbone. Tonight, you can find me on Twitter at Ken Nalbone. With me tonight is the one and only exchange goddess herself, Pumala Schmidt. Welcome, Pumala. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having me. Our Good pleasure. evening. Yes. Good morning. Good afternoon. Pumala, I'm going to pass you the ball in a second here, but why don't you really quick uh, tell us who you are and what you do. I am a Microsoft Cloud Advocate, and um, I talk about Azure and the cloud, and, but it's more than just advocating for Azure. It's about helping the community and empowering uh, each other you know, through knowledge, sharing, um, building each other up and supporting each other. So. I'm there and, and always shapes and form, just like I was before. It's just now I have a blue badge. That's excellent. You just described V brown bag, but now you're getting paid for it. So congratulations on that. I'm going to pass <laughs> you the you. ball now and uh, let you go ahead and take it away. So you have presenter controls now. Go ahead and share your screen. Is my screen sharing? I it's see not, it. And you know what? Everybody says that when we're doing a presentation on the, like on a Teams call or um, Zoom, can you see my desktop? That's like the first thing we all say. Okay, so DNR your Windows Server or maintain life support. Isn't that a great topic? So for those that don't know what DNR means, it's do not resuscitate. And I, I, chose, I chose this topic for tonight because I felt it's really important that we start talking about end of life, especially for Windows Server, uh, and but also for other applications as well, because this this whole conversation can be about any application that's out there, right? Um, VMware, I mean, Adobe, a a anything. So it, it's about just the broader life of, you know, the application lifecycle. But in particular, we're gonna talk about Windows Server and what kind of options you have available before January 14, 2020, because that is seven months away, if I do my math correctly. Seven? Yes, that's seven months, right, Ken? Yes. Well, uh, math months are different than regular math, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's January 14, 2020 is the big date that everybody should have circled on their calendar. So let's get started. Uh, you know, a little intro, um, not going to read it off, but I'm Exchange Goddess, and I do all sorts of stuff. Uh, and um, I'm also still a uh, Central PAV Mug leader, so shout out to my Central PAV Mug team. You guys are awesome. Uh, but, uh, you know, it's I still do a little, some blogging, podcasting, you name it, and I go out and speak, and I just actually have a new rider now. I must have the Crunchy Mint M&Ms. 
So if you want me to come speak, if you have the crunchy mint M&Ms, I am there. So please make note of that, Ken. Crunchy mint M&Ms. They can be all yours. Do they have chocolate in them too? Because mint and chocolate, yes. not a combo oh, yes. I care it's, for. So yeah, it's mint chocolate, but it's like crunch. It's crunchy, so it's like the, the crisp in it. And then the uh, the almonds. So if you, if you got those, I'm I'm all good to go. So let's get started. Server product life cycle. What does that really mean when we look at the product life cycle? Uh, so typically when an application or an OS is released from Microsoft, uh, the first five years is mainstream support, right? And then, then we have this end of support, extended support phase, like, in a, like the next five years. So really support is 10 years. So if you look at my little, my little chart here, the, the first five years gives you all the cool stuff, and, you know, the security features, um, security updates, and all those extra updates to take forever to download in the middle of the night, <laughs> and then you have to like reboot and you know and re-download again. So those first five years gets you all that goodness, and then the rest of the ten years, the 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 extra five years is just security updates, and then that's the phase of uh, hmm. I might have to do something because at year five, going into year six, you know at the end of 10 years, it's going to be end of life, right? So what does end of life really mean? And end of life is basically about not getting everything in year five in the additional five years. So the whole 10 years. So when you hit end of life, you're not getting anything. Like, all, you know, year five and the extended five is gone. Pretty much you are... SOL if something happens. So most of us have been around when end of life happened for server 2003. And just from my memory from a few years ago, it was a huge scramble because a lot of organizations, you know, ran 2003. I mean, in my opinion, it was one of the, um, it was one of the best OS. I mean, it was strong, right? I mean, it just, it was a solid OS. And not everybody was, uh, you know, jumping the gun to upgrade to 2008 right away. It was like, you know, still sticking to 2003. And I know there's still 2003 domain controllers out there running. And I know who you are, and you guys can't hide because <laughs> you guys have asked me about it. But it, it, getting people to to upgrade, you know, it, it's, it's a tough battle when you are running something that is, I'm going to say in air quotes, solid, right? It, it's not broke so why do we need to fix it but so off my rant there so what happens you you run out of updates and then those security updates that's the key here you know those critical important security updates and you know everybody can say oh well they're just updates well you know what if you're missing security updates nowadays that's not good I mean the way malware is going and the way you know, security breaches are happening, this can affect your business. I mean, it, it's it's more than just an operational issue now. It's a business issue. And it's also a, a compliance issue as well. Because if you're not getting the latest updates and you're not being patched on your systems, you could be not compliant with a whole bunch of regulatory, um, you know, industries. So, so when you are patched, 
you are avoiding business disruptions. So Fumla, like, can I ask you a quick question about yes, support yes. cycle? Questions ask, ask when. Does it Love start them. with the initial release, uh, the, the first uh, release of the OS, or does the clock kind of reset when there's say an R2 version of Server 2003 or 2008, for example? Let me go back to this. So. You get what I'm saying there, though. Yes. It, yes. Does, two, so, does an R2 count as a new release that and that starts that five-year clock again? Basically, is the question. Yes. So you you've got the original one, which start you know which has its own clock, and R2 would have a a clock for R2. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. That's my question <laughs> exactly. Thank you. Yeah, and there's a link here that um, you can go to the lifecycle um, on our our web on our website that actually has a chart of every single OS and it breaks it down to mainstream support, extensive extended support, and an end of life. And then you know it'll break it down to the service pack as well. <clears throat> Let me go back here. So yeah, so getting patched, it's it's about avoiding business disruptions, right? Because like I said, you know, before when you're not patched, you are you're putting yourself at risk. I mean, you're putting your business at risk. And if you deal with any type of regulatory compliance, that's a potential risk of, of not meeting uh, compliance. Another, you know, fancy uh, security update, you know, slide here. So here's the meat of it. Server 2008 and Server 2008 R2 extended support ends July 9th, 2019. That is two months away. And then Windows Server 2008 and 2008 R2 January 14, 2020. That's, those are the key ones where if you are running that OS, you need to do something. We also have Exchange as well. That is ending support in January 2020, Exchange 2010. So if you're running Exchange 2010 and you haven't considered moving to Office 365 or Exchange 2016, possibly 19, you, need, you should be doing something because there will be no updates. It's done. Does that, does that sound scary, Ken? <laughs> It, yeah. is, it, like, it, it, it is what it is. Like, I'm not sure if I can um, express it enough. You know, it, it's it, it's kind of a, like, most people are like, oh, yeah, it, it, it's, it's end of life. It's coming up. But I don't think it's really hitting people. I mean, from a, a VMware, vSphere, you know, it seemed like there was this mad rush this past year with getting everything upgraded. You'd be surprised. Uh, around end of life of vSphere 5.5, I was working as a consultant, and uh, yeah, I worked with many customers who were interested in getting off 5.5, but no, many of them went well past the date. And I think that you know we probably got several running their Windows vCenter 5.5 server on server 2008 right now anyway. Those are the kinds of things that kept me up to at night when I was an admin. I don't know about you, which is why I'm probably not an admin anymore. Yes, not anymore, but and that's if any, well, it'll be a year in July. But before, you know, before July 23rd of 2018, I was an admin and I was doing, in fact, we were doing upgrades to our server, 2008 servers that we had um, 
in the environment that I was responsible for. And we, I think we had like 14 servers left, at least the ones I was dealing with. And that there were, we had an action plan, you know, the ones that I could knock off real easy. I'm like, okay, go ahead, upgrade them. If you can do it in place, that's, that's awesome. I doubt you can. Let's build a new VM. Let's migrate our stuff off. You know, let's, let's roll out. Let's do it. But I, I, I agree with you. There's lots of organizations that for whatever reasons that they may have are sitting on this. But when you sit on this, it's you're you're really putting your business at risk. And you know, like yeah, you're you're not getting your security updates, there's compliance concerns. And also you're missing all those new features by still sitting on that OS. So any type of enhancements, you know, um, productivity enhancements or just improvements within the OS, more, you know, robustness, you're, you're missing out on all that by still running something that's old. And then, so we, we, we know Server 2008 is coming into life, but did you know that Server 2012 and 2012 R2 uh, actually ended mainstream support this past October? I did Nobody not know knew. that. Yeah, a lot of people didn't know that. So you've hit the five-year mark, which what does this mean? This means that you've got five years left until end of, end of life. And we all know five years comes up pretty quick. I mean, we say, oh, that five years, that, that's wow, but that's, that's five years. That's not a long time because if you're running in an organization and, and, and as we all know, things take forever in you know, the larger your enterprise, the slower projects move. But five years, you should be thinking about, I mean, if you're running Server 2012, you should be thinking about what do I need to do to get to the next platform now? Because I've got five years. I should be talking to my applications team and going, hey, we, we are on extended support now. Uh, we're still supported, but we might want to think about upgrading because that upgrade may take longer than a month or two. It may take years because let's say the application you're running on the server needs to, um, needs to be upgraded, but the license needs to be renewed, you know what I mean? And a whole new version needs to be purchased. I mean, that there's, there's cost to that. So when you're in this extended support phase of five years, this is a great opportunity for you to approach those business owners, you know, the apps owners and say, hey, here, here's time for us to really be proactive and come up with a plan rather than waiting six months before it's going into life, scrambling and trying to find money to upgrade our application. Uh, but as we all know that, you know, the real world doesn't always work like that, but it is a great opportunity for you to be more proactive and not be so much firefighting because I know that's such a pain point for all of us sysadmins out there where we're, we're just scrambling to, you know, put those fires out or those last minute projects. Well, for what it's worth, Graham just said he's going to go ahead and start his 2008 R2 upgrade uh, process. So if nothing else, you've reached at least one person tonight. Puma. Oh, awesome. Awesome. Jeff Woozy will love that too. We got, we got to start talking about people because I don't want to hear it on December 14th. 
2019, everyone's going, oh my God, you didn't tell me that we were coming into life. Because I guarantee someone's going to say it. Well, you know, just like the whole vSphere thing last year. What, what do you mean it's coming up? Okay. So now that we know that we've got all these things coming up into life and, and we know that we're not getting these updates. So the bigger question is, what are my options? Yeah. And this is where, you know, of course, marketing or any sales pitch or anything will say, oh, move to the cloud. And it's true. This is the opportunity for you to think about what your options are. Is this, is this the right time to actually upgrade? Or should I be looking at moving my application to the cloud? Or do I look at it from a lift and shift perspective, right? You know, um, this is a great time for you to reevaluate what you need to do. Uh, it gives businesses an opportunity to go, hmm, I, I know I'm, I'm end of life. What can I do here? Or you already know you're not going to cloud and you upgrade. So you basically have three, three options. So you can rehost, which, you know, migrate to Azure because obviously we're from Microsoft. So I'm going to talk about Azure. <laughs> you, you can, you can rehost and that's, that's basically the lift and shift. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more um, in a little minute, but there's also the refactor and the, the whole re-architecting and, and rebuilding. And that is where you basically take your application and say, I'm going to make it cloud native. It's going to be, you know, built in the cloud. So then it's, I hate to say this word, but serverless now. And you're, you're just, you know, you're not going to worry about the OS. You're, you're going to go into that, that world. Um, and then we've got our, our upgrade on premises where I'll talk about that all different steps. If you decide to do the upgrade for on premises. So if we're going to migrate to Azure, we have, uh, we offered this last year. We announced it, I want to say in August of 2018, where if you are not ready to upgrade because for whatever reason, you know, the application teams aren't ready and, you know, whatnot, you just, there's just not enough time. You can do a lift and shift of your 2008 VMs into Azure and you will get three years, an additional three years of support. It's a temporary thing. It's band-aid. It's, it's not like, oh, I get to live forever. We give you three years. That three years is, um, it just gives you an extension for you to basically plan your upgrade to figure out what you're going to do. And does that support include things like uh, security updates and bug fixes, or is it merely technical guidance type of support if something breaks guidance in the US? and uh, security updates. I can get, um, I can actually take that as a takeaway to find out the exact details to that. So, you know, what exactly are those security updates that you're going to get? Because we all know that, you know, you're supported, but we're not, we're actually not, you know, developing any more features. So it's only going to be security updates. You won't get features and whatnot. 
bug fixes, I, I've got to get some clarity on exactly which bug fixes. If it's if it's truly a bug or something that's security related. And then um, the other path, like I said, was upgrade on premises. So if you choose not to migrate to Azure, you could upgrade on premises and you go to server 2016 or server 2019. And then um, there's also the other option that's gonna cost you money. And that is to pay for an additional three years. That is the probably, I don't wanna say last resort, I know organizations do it, but for on-premises servers, if you really, 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 really need them, there, there is, there is an option to buy extended security updates. It's super expensive, but it, it's, it's there. It's something that I don't recommend at all because <laughs> it's going to cost you money, right? Uh, I mean, I would either go with migrate to Azure or upgrade on premises. I mean, really take a look at your, your situation and determine, okay, can I really do this? Do we really need to spend, you know, um, you know, X amount of million dollars? I mean, let's say you have a thousand VMs and it's seven months coming up. Yeah, I'd probably, I'd start getting worried then where you may start looking at, okay, how do I extend this if you've got that many? But if you've got a handful, I'd start working on it and figure out what your best approach is. Are customers with an ELA still required to purchase those extended security updates if they want that support? They would have to talk to their account rep. I'm deferring that to our account. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Yeah, sorry, I have to punt to that one. Um, from as far as I know, yeah, you, you would still have to purchase that, but that's something that the account team should have to, you'd have to talk to them about. Okay, so, obviously we're gonna, we're gonna talk about um, Windows Server and Azure. I mean, it, it just works better together, right? So if you are, um, if you can't upgrade and you're stuck, definitely consider migrating to Azure because it's going to, it's, it's going to work, a, you know, better than, I don't want to say other cloud providers, but it's natively there, right? It's, it's a Windows product. So for the most part, it's, you know, it's sort of built into each other. But if you are going to upgrade Windows Server 2016, um, 2019 is awesome too. But for the, you know, for those that are not that bleeding edge yet, 2016 is perfectly fine. I know 2019 was released this past year. Uh, for a lot of you, you're probably still cautious on, on jumping to that one. Great for test environments, you know, production for critical business apps. I'd probably, you know, do a lot of testing to make sure that's, that you're ready for that. But, uh, Server 2016 is definitely the operating system that you want to go to. And I actually spoke with a customer that 
is only thinking about going to server 2012. And I said, well, why? It's already in extended support now. So at this point, you shouldn't even, people shouldn't be considering server 2012 at all because we're already telling people, you know, that's running server 2012 that you've got five years left. You should be thinking about your 2016 or your 2019 plan. So, reasons to upgrade. These are all the wonderful reasons you want to upgrade to the latest version. So, Server 2008 does, doesn't have some of the new features that are out there, especially, you know, you get your shielded VMs, uh, storage spaces direct, you get containers. I mean, you get all those cool things everyone's talking about now. You know, Linux containers, Windows subsystems from Linux. All that stuff is coming out and all these new versions, and who doesn't want to play with new shiny toys, right? If you're still running in something that's older, you're, 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 not, you're not getting that innovation. Uh, you're, not, you're not getting those improvements in the operating system. And I have a slide in here for SQL as well, because SQL uh, is also end of life, as you saw in the previous slide, and most people are somewhat cautious to upgrading SQL because it's like, oh, well, it's working. Why, why do I need to upgrade that, right? Because it's such a pain to go after all those uh, DBAs, you know, and make sure that their applications are compatible. But same story. If, you, if you're not upgrading, you're not getting all the, you know, uh, improvements, the new features. Any questions so far? And oh, a lot of comments and chatter, uh, not necessarily questions. We had uh, one, one person point out and gave us a link to an article for a, a country that was paying Microsoft directly for extended support of Windows XP, if you can believe that. Back in oh my gosh. Of course, that was, that was, that's a few years old article, but still it shows links to which some folks will go to resist an upgrade for whatever reason that may be. So I presented this session in London in the fall and I had an attendee said he was still running Windows 3.1. And I, my, like, I, I was doing this, I was like, what, what? <laughs> like stuttering. It was a production environment too, yeah. Must have been the kind of situation where the application vendor is long gone, but they de depend on it for some kind of business critical process or something along those mm -hmm. lines. That's the only case I can think of for continuing that. You know, sometimes you see that Windows NT server sitting back in the corner. Nobody's sure what it does, but nobody wants to turn it off or, or move fear, it. It's fear, right? Yeah. It's that fear of like, if we turn it off, will it ever come back up? Or, you know, we don't know the developer for this application. <laughs> you know, the person that wrote it is like, is dead. You know, the company's no longer around. I mean, there's so many reasons for that. And um, I totally get it, totally get it. Be being, you know, a former sysadmin, I I was once that person that's, that felt like, okay, why do we need to upgrade right away? It's fine. I think uh, Thomas LaRock actually tweeted that today where, you know, he was also in that,
that camp of saying, oh, you know, nothing's broken. That's running fine. Why, why do we need to upgrade? But it's, it's 2019. We, we're not in the same position we were in 2003, 4, 5, you know, 9, 10. We're not in the same position anymore. It is very dangerous to be on the internet and, and you know, to have a computer, to have a, any type of technical device, even your phone. I mean, it's, it's, it's dangerous. It's a dangerous world, right? Because there's phishing attacks, there's malware, there's all sorts of stuff. And if you are out there, you are potentially at risk already. You know, regardless of what device you have, if you have an internet connection, you are at risk and I can, you know, anybody can um, dispute me on that and I, I will fight, you know, I will fall on the sword for it. But if you are on the internet, you, you're at risk regardless of who you are. It's, it's not, you know, it's not the way it was like it was years ago. So if we're running applications on older OSs and even older versions of applications, you're putting yourself at risk. And if you're not getting updates, you're putting your business at risk. And, you know, even applications need to be upgraded. I, I, I ran, you know, applications that were several, several versions behind. And the reason why we did it is because it was, you know, it wasn't a critical application. We were so focused on making sure Exchange was always updated and Skype Business was updated and our VMware environment was updated. But then the monitoring systems, oh, it's good, it's good. You know, it's low on the totem pole, right? Because it's not critical. It's, it's, not, it's not financially significant. It's not business impacting. It's just our, our internal monitoring system. So systems like that, end up being put on the back burner and they they get put in the back burner so long that they're so they're so outdated and then by the time you have to update them you're like oh crap you know I, I completely gotta uh, you know get a new server or build up a new VM and I gotta do all these migrations and I've seen so much of that I've lived it where we we have to get out of that mode and be more proactive about it and embrace the, okay, I need to update this. And I, I do need to stay current. Yes, I don't need to be bleeding edge all the time. Maybe wait a few, you know, weeks, a couple months when that, that release comes out, maybe let other people play with it. And then, you know, I upgrade rather, rather than waiting years that approach is going to keep you more in support, but it's also going to keep you more secure as well. You ever been in that sure situation, Pumala, where there's an old application, nobody wants to upgrade it, nobody's really sure who's using it, so you just decide to do the scream test where you unplug it and see if anybody comes. Oh. Yes, I've done that multiple times. It is my favorite. Uh, and then you find out, wow, nobody is using it, or then you find it, oh, wow, oh, well, yeah, I guess people are using this thing. Uh, yeah, usually it, it's either one or the other. And with those applications, if you do find that people are using it, then you, that's when you can actually start 
it gets a little complicated too because um, depending on the situation, who's who's responsible to upgrade it now, right? It is the people that are using it, the business owner? Because most of the time they're like, oh, no, 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 you know, I'm not responsible because sometimes it's a license issue. Um, I like it when no one's using it because then you can just go, let's just decommission it. Those those are my favorite because then you don't you know if nobody's using the application you can decommission it and you just probably just save yourself some you know some cost because you've probably been spending a couple years paying for support and licensing when no one's been using your software that that has happened quite often as well yeah and this is a great opportunity for you to reassess what you're actually running. Because uh, I know we were doing our 2008 assessment. We found applications that were like, oh, oh my gosh, I haven't, I haven't used that ever since I started here. <laughs> you know, and I'd ask my guys, I'm like, hey, do you guys use it? They're like, oh, no, no, we don't use this. I'm like, well, why are we still paying for support? And why do we still have it running? Let's kill it, you know? And then you, we turned it off, decommissioned it. We actually got rid of a few servers that way. So this is, you know, it's a great time for you to reassess. And this actually leads into my next slide where, come on, I love the power of PowerPoint. Does it move? Oh, there it is, yes. Okay, so how do we get started with this whole upgrade process, right? First is assessing. And I taught, you know, I mentioned it just briefly earlier, you know, this gives you the time to assess what you actually have in your environment, right? Because who actually really knows every single thing that they're running? You know, we, we think we know. For the most part, most of us probably know what 95% of what goes on, but there's always that, that small percentage of the gremlins or, uh, people just spinning stuff up. I mean, how often have you you've gone into a client where they actually know every single thing, but then you go to work in their environment and you find out that there's something there and you mention it to them and they're like, oh, well, we, we didn't know that. Oh, I'm asking you that question, Ken. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a lot of money to be made actually in, in consulting and just discovering what's actually running on a customer's environment let alone upgrading. Yeah, so the, the assess part is huge. That this, it seems so simple, but assessing what you have is key. And then once you assess, you figure out your path, you know, migration, um, and, the, and migration, migrate is, I'm generalizing it. Migrate could be going to the cloud or migrating to a different version. And then there's the optimization portion of that, making things better once you figure out what your path is. So assessing, and this is where you do your inventories. You know, you, you, you basically, you're figuring out what you have on site. And we actually offer some free tools that help you figure that out. Uh, there is a query that you can run in AD that will give you a list of all your servers 
in their operating system. Uh, now, if you have servers that are not AD joined, obviously it's not going to pull that up, but at least this gives you an idea of what you have within Active Directory. For everything else outside, uh, there are um, there are some network tools out there that can help as well. Oh, I can't think of the name of the one tool. Is it Hi Hyena? Have you heard of it? Where it can actually scan your network. I for forgot about Hyena. Man, you just reminded me of a blast from the past. Yes. You know, my last place we used it, I, I, I used it in that place. It's, yeah, it's one of those tools where you're like, oh, crap. I didn't realize, you know, it is a blast from the past, but it does sort of sweep your network and tells you what's there, right? I mean, it's, it's because ultimately that's that's what you want to find out, what's out there. And once you figure out what, what's out there, then you can figure out what to do. And this is, you know, tools like that, like I think will, will tell you, um, even network devices, too, or in, in any device, I believe, uh, from my, and, you know, gosh, my history with it, it could pretty much tell you whatever's on your uh, your network. So, remember. Pumala, Pum 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 I think you uh, basically answered this question already, but Rob is wondering, are there any easy ways to detect where those 2008 SQL servers are? You can do um, a query. The easiest way is to... Uh, one, the um, if you have a hyena, that would help. But there are there are there's an AD query that you can run that will get you the OS. <sighs> I want to say you depending on how you configure. Gosh, SQL is a tough one. The Microsoft Assessment Planning Toolkit. I believe there are some ways there. I'm just thinking from my past experience how we figured out how to get all our SQL servers. <laughs> um, we used a hodgepodge of tools, and one of them was Hyena. Uh, and we use AD Query for that as well. Uh, gosh, I'm thinking off the top of my head right now. It's just the name of it is on the tip of my tongue. I have it noted here. I'll have to get back to you. On that one, there is another tool that can help you find the, the SQL tools. I just can't think of the name of it for the life of me right now. You let us know. We'll tweet it out with the hashtag yeah. #BrownBag so people can find it after the fact. Yeah, you guys caught me off guard because I'm like, it's right on the tip of my tongue. Gosh, I hate that. Oh, that's what we like okay. to do here. I know. It's like it's right. There. Like I, I, like I see myself like actually working on it. So I'm like, I can't think of the name, but stuff like that. It, it's it's a combination of tools, right? Like you're because a lot of times, um, most organizations, you're 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 not going to be, um, I guess, descriptive when you're joining your computers to the domain. So um, I mean. You're gonna have to run some queries to to find that, but I'll get you the name. I'll get you some names and tools. Sounds good. Okay. So when we t um when we talk about migration, so you you've got different ways of doing that, and this is the migration to a new server, right? 
talking more more upgrades and, and whatnot. Um, this isn't the migrate to Azure portion. So there's server roles. We've got web servers. We've got AD, uh, file servers, print and fax servers, and, and RDS. These are the typical server roles that are deployed for Windows Server. And there's different ways of upgrading them or quotes migrating them to the latest version. And the first one is Active Directory, because if you're still running 2008, you, you've got to get off. So this is probably the most commonly asked one. Well, how do I, how do I upgrade Active Directory that's running on 2008? Well, the best thing to do is basically build another domain controller and move the role off to that server and then decommission the old domain controller and build a new domain controller and move the role off of uh, an existing domain controller role. You're basically swapping out servers. Uh, there is an in-place upgrade, but if you're in 2008, you're gonna have to jump into 2012 into 2016, and that's a lot of jumps. It's a lot of headaches, and to be honest with you, in-place upgrades of domain controllers is um, supported-ish. It's not preferred. And I've only done it once, and this was a production environment. <laughs> uh, it didn't go over very well. Let's just say that. It was a long, long evening, weekend. And I, I don't think this organization will ever, ever do that again. Uh, so, yeah, you can do that. But your best bet, and, and the way, you know, it's so easy to spin up a VM that just spinning up a brand new VM and promoting it to a domain controller and adding a role, you know, a FISMA role to it is so much easier. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, mm -hmm. I believe that there was no way if, say, you had an old server 2003 32-bit edition server, there you could not do an in-place upgrade to one of the newer 64-bit OSs. No, that's an, that is, yeah, that's migrate. That's what I thought because I think I used that as the turning point where I basically just told everybody, oh, you can't do in-place upgrades of Windows Server OS anymore. You know, I didn't mention the 32-bit to 64-bit thing. It was just, yes, that's that, the point at which I, you just say, oh, everything has to be a migration now. Just use that as an excuse, everybody. It, it's a great excuse. It, it, it really is. And you know what? The Exchange team has done that too. So with, with Exchange 2003, that was 32-bit, right? So Exchange 2007 was 64-bit uh, OS. So there was there's no way to do an in-place upgrade. You had to build new servers and migrate off, uh, which is great because you aren't dealing with any of the gremlins that are still behind in that OS, right? You're moving off to a brand new server. Now you may still have some gremlins that you're building on a new server, but um, anything that's prior existing in that old environment is gone and now you've got fresh clean servers to um, do as you wish 
so yeah if you're running 32-bit and you're going 64 you have no other choice but to do a, a a migrate to a new VM or server could be physical I know there's still physicals out there okay so if you're running remote desktop services and this is similar situation as Active Directory domain controllers pretty much you you're building new servers and moving those roles to them in place not recommended you're, you're pretty much going to do the same thing uh, you're going to get a cleaner environment uh, with your you know with the latest features less less downtime the migrations can be easier swinging the users over to the new environment oh let me go back here so um this would also fall in line with if you're running citrix as well because you know citrix runs on top of rds servers so it, it, it it's the same thing you know for all those out there if you're running citrix you're you're going to build new vms and and move the users all onto the new environment that's that is your your cleanest and best bet and it's the, the recommended approach if you're running hyper-v out there I know there's still some out there that are are running it uh, pretty much yeah you're gonna have to do a migration path into server 2016 when you say so, still, you mean like build still new server. 2008, or do you mean Hyper-V in general? Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, because so there, there's there's the uh, the bare metal Hyper-V with the the little the little OS, and there's the Windows version, right, with the desktop and everything. Um, so with with the Hyper-V with the the desktop version, and even well, server that doesn't have the bare metal. Um, so there's no in-place upgrade. You're going to have to build a new virtualization environment, the Windows Server 2016 Hyper-V, or you can um, go to uh, Server 2012 from 2008 and move your VMs into that. And then you can do a live migration in 2016. But that's just a lot of work. I mean, I think that already sounded confusing right there when I said it because there's there's no there's no direct path you're gonna you know there's no in place so basically everything is you're gonna have to build a new environment and export your VMs into the new host that's that's gonna be your cleanest way I mean the the closest thing you're gonna get to an in place is going to 2000 is going to 2012 and then live migration live movement live migration them over to the newer host so the, this one if you're running 2008 or two host you, there will there will be downtime with that which you know it's it sucks like having having been there i mean nobody likes to issue downtime i think we all hate sending those emails out but it is one of those necessities Application servers, and I, I mentioned this briefly earlier, where the whole upgrade, you know, goes talks about 
applications as well because people people sit on you know their applications because I know there's still Exchange 2010 out there, SharePoint 2010. I know there's SharePoint 2007 out there, and Skype for Business. Um, and then you've got your non-Microsoft applications. That's everybody else. I mean, we we all we all you know tend to sit on these applications, and each of them have their own migration paths. But for the most part, almost all of them usually prefer building a new environment and migrating your data onto, you know, migrating your users or your data onto that new platform, that new environment, because that's gonna that's gonna give you a cleaner environment. There are some applications that do have in place upgrades and and. And they do work, and I'll give you an example. So the last environment I was at, um, we did in-place upgrades of SQL servers, clusters, with the OS, and they it worked, but it was a lot of work, a lot of planning, uh, you know, getting all stakeholders involved, and it just wasn't you know one department; it it was like ten departments, because you've got all these different databases. And you got to make sure every application owner has approved you upgrading that, you know, SQL Server. First, you go through the phase of upgrading the OS, right? And then after the OS is upgraded, now you're doing in-place upgrade of um, the application, which is SQL. And it it was like this long process. It was very very tedious, and it worked. I know th some things went wrong. Personally, I, I wouldn't have done it, but there's, you know, business decisions were made. But, um, you know, in, in that case, it, they, they were mostly business decisions. But it can be done. So I, I always recommend to people, if you're dealing with applications, you've got to look at it and weigh that, you know, the risk and, and um, the value out of it between migrating or upgrading. And then when you're dealing with non-Microsoft applications, I mean, SolarWinds, um, VMware, you know, any of those, um, you've got to think about, you know, from a support level too, what's supported with that particular vendor, you know, what what's their recommended approach, and see how that works within your your plan. So from when it comes to upgrades and migrations and getting approval from application owners, most of the time, I would imagine people run into resistance where they get an application owner who doesn't understand the importance of upgrading and just sees it as uh, you know, upsetting the apple cart. Basically, they don't want to change anything when they don't understand the risks involved with maintaining the status quo. And how do the technical people make the case back to the non-technical people that this is something that has to happen? Security. <laughs> this this is from personal experience, um, but also from you know just the overall guidance. Get your security and compliance people behind you, because it, almost every organization once you bring up a security risk, they're willing to listen. Their ears are more open. And you, you are you're gonna have resistance for the ones that are like I don't have the budget for it, you know this gonna take time and we don't have the resources. 
if you start making your case from a security standpoint, you're going to have more success because when it's a security risk, now it's a business risk, right? And in one of my slides, I mean, it, it, it's a business disruption. And if you are in a financial industry, healthcare, if there's a security risk, you, you, you know, somebody from compliance and security is going to come down and be like, whoa, because now you're not HIPAA compliant, right? And potentially, you know, if you deal in international data, GDPR. If you're in the financial industry, I mean, that's a whole other risk there too. So when you have these talks, it's, um, it's always good to, to have your security department with you because, uh, you know, your security team, I know from my experience, we're always the ones that hound this. Your system doesn't have the latest patches. Make sure it's patched by the end of the month. Uh, so they can, they can really help advocate for getting, getting those upgrades in. But you're always going to run in. You're you're always going to run into the resistance, and it's a you know, pretty much you, you just gotta to push through. I, I hate to say it like that, but um, just keep advocating for you know staying current and reducing the security risk from a, from a business disruption standpoint. So we do have a resource center called the Upgrade Center. And uh, you can go to this link here. And if you click on each of the little blocks here, it walks you through on what your steps would be to upgrade to the latest version. It's a cute little, you know, handy um, upgrade path that we have. And then have some more resources here. And then the rest is Q&A because I'm looking at time and um, we have five minutes, so right right on time. Well done on timing. There's nothing waiting in the queue, but I'm going to give folks one more chance to ask their questions before we finish it off. Such a quiet night tonight. Nobody wants to talk about upgrades until... It's the what? elephant in the room, of course. Nobody wants to talk yeah. about it. Yeah. December, November, December. Guarantee. We're going to get so many tweets about, what do you mean, and the life is coming. So, yeah, January 14, 2020 is the big date. I'm just curious to see how many installs are out there. I know there, there are quite a number, uh, whether people want to admit it or not. I mean, there's, there's quite a few because the updates are, are being pulled down. You know, we know that, right? We see the updates being pulled down, so obviously there's installs out there. But I guess my biggest message is, if you haven't thought about it, you need, you need to start planning and, and figuring out what you're going to do because you don't want to be stuck in a situation where you have put your business at risk. Because nobody wants that. Well, thank you very much, Pumala. I see no more questions. I just see thank you very much. Great talk, those kinds of comments in there. Uh, if folks want to reach out to you, uh, ask you more questions, how can they reach you? They can t reach me on Twitter as at Exchange Goddess. Uh, 
yeah, just, just tweet at me. I'm on LinkedIn as well, Pumla Schmidt. Uh, and I, I'm actually going to announce this, but if you email exchangegoddess at Microsoft.com, it does come to me. Ah, very good. <laughs> How did you manage to pull that one off? I've got my tricks, <laughs> but yes, exchangegoddess at Microsoft.com does work. It is a valid email address. Very nice. And if they have complaints, they should direct them to at jdooley underscore CLT on Twitter, correct? Yes, yes, yes. Okay. If Jeremiah there's any complaints, yeah, yes. Any complaints, go to Jeremiah. Uh, for this presentation and anything else, definitely go to Jeremiah. All, you know, all comments, good feedback, definitely send them to me. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah's going to love me. <laughs> it's a deal. Very good. Thanks awesome. so much, Fumala. Uh, uh, thank you, everybody who attended. And we are going to hit the stop recording button right now. Good night, thank everybody. Thank you. Thank you.